Number 070423, a rendering of each of six episodes. Episode 1, A Year with the Church Fathers. Do what's appropriate, but always in love. We can't always be doing everything, said St. Augustine. We need to judge what kind of work is appropriate to the time, but love must always direct all our works. We should do one kind of work one time, another kind of work another time, according to the days. Are you always to be talking? Always to keep silence? Always to be refreshing the body? Always fasting? Always giving bread to the hungry? Always clothing the naked? Always visiting the sick? Always making peace among those who disagree? Always burying the dead. No, no. Now this. Now that. You take up these tasks and then stop. But what commands all your inner forces? Like an emperor has no beginning and should never stop. Let inner love have no intermission, but do the works of love according to the times. And it is written, Let brotherly love continue. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, St. Augustine, homily 8, on the first epistle of John, 2. In God's presence, consider, does everything I do begin with love? Have I tried to discern what love is prompting me to do today? Closing prayer. Father, when I do the work to which you have called me, let it both sustain my own life on earth and build up your kingdom. Episode number two, Through the Year with Thomas Merton. One good morning, a spring morning alone in the woods. Sunrise, the enormous yoke of energy spreading and spreading as if to take over the entire sky. After that, the ceremonies of the birds feeding in the wet grass, the meadowlark, feeding and singing, then the quiet, totally silent, dry, sun-drenched, mid-morning of spring, under the climbing sun. April is not the cruelest month, not in Kentucky. It was hard to say psalms. Attention would get carried away in the vast blue arc of the sky, trees, hills, grass, and all things, how absolutely central is the truth that we are, first of all, part of nature, though we are a very special part, that which is conscious of God. One has to be alone under the sky before everything falls into place, and one finds his own place in the midst of it all. We have to have the humility to realize ourselves as part of nature, Denial of this results only in madness and cruelties. One can be part of nature, surely, without being Lady Chatterley's lover. It was one good morning, a return in spirit to the first morning of the world. Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander. Episode number three, Magnificat, April 2023, volume 23, Number two, item number one, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John.
Now Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus, the Nazarene. He said to them, I am. Judas's betrayer was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he began again and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Ananias first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid, who was the gatekeeper, said to Peter, You are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made, because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there, keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in a synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather, and in secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Ananias sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was morning, 
and they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order not to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring again this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. At this Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, We do not have the right to execute anyone. In order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled that he said, indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have you others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king? For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him repeatedly. Once more Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you, so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man! When the chief priests and guards saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I found no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, Do you speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if I had not given you to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release him, you are not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone Pavement in Hebrew, Gabatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon, and he said to the Jews, 
Behold your king, they cried out. Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose, whose it will be, in order that the passage of Scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vestures they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clophus, and Mary of Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine, so they put a sponge soaked in wine on a spring of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished, and bowing his head, he handed over the spirit. Now since it was preparation day, in order the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of the week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and then of the second, and so on, who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you also may come to believe for what this happened so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage, they will look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus, and Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body, Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh 
and aloes weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial clothes along with spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Meditation of the day. It is finished. At this moment, as the last drop of the precious blood is passing from his broken heart with a power beyond that of a dying man, Jesus cries in triumph, it is finished. Friendship between God and man is now made possible again in the body of Christ. That old irreconcilable enmity between the sin of the creature and the justice of the Creator between the defilement of the Spirit and the holiness of the Father of Spirits is done away. We can be accepted in the Beloved. First, then, salvation is open to the sinner. No sin henceforth is unforgivable. Charity, it has been said, is the pardoning of the unpardonable and the loving of the unlovable. And in this precious blood, as the prophet sang, there shall be a fountain open for the washing of the sinner and of the unclean. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1. And as John wrote, it is this blood which cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7. The friendship of God, therefore, is flung wide open to the every soul that desires it. But more than this, not only is more friendship made possible by the death of Christ, but degrees of friendship to which even the angels cannot aspire. In the power of the precious blood and the grace of the sacraments liberated by its shedding, every action, word, and thought can be brought into obedience to Christ. The soul can, by that same grace, reach a point of union with him so vital and so complete that she can truly cry, With Christ I am nailed to the cross, and I live, now not I, but Christ lives in me. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. Christ's work, then, is finished on the cross, finished, that is, not as closed and concluded, but finished as bread is finished from the mills, and the fire that it may be eaten as wine is finished after the stress and trampling of the winepress, finished as a man's body is finished in the womb of his mother and brought forth with travail. It is finished, that is, for a new and glorious beginning that the stream that has flowed from his wounds may begin to flood the souls of men and the flesh that has been broken feed them indeed. For now the passion of Christ begins to be wrought in his mystical body, and she begins to fill up those things that are wanting of the sufferings of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24. Now the enormous process that has crushed and mangled him in his assumed nature begins effectively to carry on that same work of redemption in the human nature of his church, which mystically is the body in which he dwells always episode number four god's little instruction book one 
2, and 3. Golden Nugget number 1 is inspired by Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If you feel dog-tired at night, maybe it's because you growled all day. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. The second golden nugget is inspired by 1 Thessalonians 5.22. If you don't want the fruits of sin, stay out of the devil's orchard. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The third golden nugget, inspired by Proverbs 20, verse 7. Our children are like mirrors. They reflect our attitudes in life. Episode number 5, Chesterson Day by Day. The full value of this life can only be got by fighting. The violent take it by storm. And if we have accepted everything, we have missed something. War. This life of ours is a very enjoyable fight, but a very miserable truth. Charles Dickens. Episode number six. A reflection. Spiritual directors should distinguish themselves from those in their charge, just as a shepherd distinguishes himself from his sheep. Thus speaks St. Isidora of Pelusium in interpreting the first epistle to Timothy. The life of a priest always serves as an example, be it good or bad. By an exemplary life, a priest confirms the gospel, and by a wicked life, he denies it. No one in this world is in such a position to confirm the truth of the gospel, or to die it, as is a priest by his life. A good priest is distinguished from a wicked priest by his works, no less than a shepherd is distinguished from a wolf. That is why the lot of good priests will be with the sons of God, and that of wicked priests will be with the wicked beasts of darkness. The good shepherds of the church, even in the last moments of their lives, were concerned about the flocks that they were leaving behind. On his deathbed, St. Joseph prayed to God, Preserve thy flock, O Son of God, created by thy right hand, and protect them to the end of time. Be of assistance to the beloved sons of thy church. Grant to thy bride, the Holy Church, eternal peace and a stormless calm. Saint Antipas, burning in a blazing copper ox, prayed to God in this manner, Not only me, but also those who will come after me made us partakers of thy mercy.